The views expressed on this program are solely those of the speaker and do not reflect the views and opinions of Centennial Securities. Be reminded that this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Happy Friday! Welcome to the Weekly Investment Podcast, where we discuss the week's must-know investment news and how it affects your money. I am your host, Walter. This week we discuss mortgage rates, soft landing, and market predictions. It's been another exciting week in the investment world, so let's crack right into the news. Home loan financing costs eased again this week, and the average long-term U.S. mortgage rate is down to a six-month low. The average 30-year mortgage rate dropped to 6.67%, down from almost 7% last week, according to a report from Freddie Mac released on Thursday. The latest drop-in rates is the eighth in as many weeks, and the average rate is now back to where it was in late June. Is housing back in business? Mortgage rates have been easing since October, when the average rate on a 30-year mortgage reached 7.79%, the highest level since late 2000. The decline in mortgage rates is linked to the trajectory of the 10-year Treasury yield, which lenders use as a guide to pricing loans. The 10-year Treasury yield has been falling on hopes that inflation has cooled enough for the Federal Reserve to start cutting interest rates after moving them aggressively higher since early last year. Despite the recent decline, the current average 30-year home loan is more than double what it was just two years ago when it was around 3%. The gap between rates now and a couple of years ago is contributing to the low inventory of homes for sale by discouraging homeowners who locked in rock-bottom rates from selling. If rates continue to move lower, then that could motivate more homeowners who want to sell to list their homes. A rule of thumb for refinancing is that it is a good idea if you can reduce your interest rate by at least 2%, but some lenders say 1% in savings is enough to refinance. That means home buyers in October could potentially refinance now. What a difference seven weeks make. The Federal Reserve's favorite measure of inflation fell last month, another sign that price pressures are continuing to ease. The Commerce Department reported today that consumer prices dropped 0.1% last month from October and rose just 2.6% from November last year. Excluding food and energy prices, core inflation rose just 0.1% from October and 3.2% from a year ago. How possible is a soft landing? Inflation is steadily moving down to the Fed's year-over-year target of 2% and appears to be setting stage for Fed rate cuts in 2024. Due to the progress on inflation, the Fed has decided not to raise rates at each of its last three meetings and has now signaled that it expects to cut rates next year. How much rates will drop will depend on the labor market, inflation, and economic growth next year. Many investors, though, now expect the Fed to start cutting rates by the middle of 2024. A soft landing or slowing the economy without triggering a recession that the Fed has been trying to engineer is starting to look achievable. That is pretty amazing 
given the pace of inflation and geopolitical events over the past two years. On the pod earlier this month, I mentioned that the Fed probably wasn't ready to do a victory lap yet, but I wonder now if they're doing an end-of-year toast to their efforts in bringing down inflation. Every new year brings market forecasts. Analysts from Wall Street's biggest firms attempt to predict where the S&P 500 index will stand at the close of trading on December 31st the following year. Are these annual predictions any good? I may as well get it out there. One-year market predictions are garbage. Too negative? Well, having an opinion on future market returns is part of my job, so I don't want to poo-poo the big-shot analysts too much. But seeing the financial future, no matter who is suggesting to have a crystal ball, should take into account the relationship between time horizons and a prediction's accuracy. The reality is that predicting the market in the short term is really, really hard. Over the last decade, all the Wall Street analysts who attempt to predict where the market will be in one year's time are, on average, outside the high-low range about 75% of the time. This is usually because the analysts misjudge the downside in a bad market. And bad markets happen. The S&P 500 index recorded negative total returns in 26 of the 97 calendar years starting in 1926. Longer-term outlooks tend to be more accurate. Predictions over a longer time horizon capture bad years, but also good years, helping to balance out volatility. A well-diversified portfolio can also be easier to predict over the long term, because if an estimate on just one area of the portfolio, say U.S. small-cap stocks, is off a little bit, predictions for other areas of the portfolio may be more accurate. Compare this to predicting the S&P 500, which is highly concentrated in just a handful of stocks. The lesson here, diversification, time horizon, and risk tolerance can help a wise investor both calibrate expectations and plan for the future. Short-term predictions can grab your attention, but are, most of the time, terrible to plan around. Next week, we review 2023. Please join us next Friday for that and much, much more. Thank you for listening, and please have a nice weekend when you get there. Talk to you next week. 